Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome into Balloon Party 101 ESPN. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan, the gentleman standing across from me on the ones and twos. His name is Action Jackson Virgin Pringle Sauce Boss. But you can call him Action Jackson. Yeah. You, you can be less formal here. Yeah. It's casual atmosphere. It's a one-hour presentation. Uh, all the kids are gathered around and, and longing to hear our takes, and we are takesmiths. You are welcome to send in texts here on Balloon Party 65780, Air Comfort Service text line. And uh, on Fridays, we kind of reserve things for our QFTA format, which we popularized on the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And uh, I have some stored up here for the winter, including one from friend of TMA, Esteban Yan. Now, you might be going, (laughs) Esteban Yan, the gentleman who sweat quite a bit when he was pitching for the Cardinals. But he also is an SEC basketball and football aficionado <laughs> and will oftentimes send in predictions. He was on a heater to start. He was like 4-0. Uh, he's kind of tailed off, but he has some questions. You're welcome to send in whatever uh, as well. I, I, I take them via email, tmckernan at insidestl.com if you want to really expound. But if you just want them for the purpose of text, it's a free-for-all. 65780. Zero six five seven eight zero is how you can text in, and of course, T McKernan at InsideSTL.com is my email address. But now that we're at Hubbard, we have Hubbard email addresses. That's right. Do you know what my email address is here? T McKernan at TMASTL. Is it? Yeah, I believe that is the case. Or HBI, one of the two. Well, it's yeah, it's one of the two though. Uh, but I think it's T-M-A-S-T-L. I think it is, too. Yeah. I really do. Uh, all right. So uh, this is what I got right out of the gate. Hey, Tim, two non-gambling-related questions for you. I don't expect you to write back because it would be a lengthy response. But if you feel inclined to address, feel free to do so. Number one, the Tom Brady retirement story. I'm sure Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington had a couple of uh, uneasy moments this past week after reporting Brady was retiring they were just blowing in the wind, so to speak, while the will he or won't he retire speculation raged on. Ultimately, they were proven right. I could be mistaken, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you had a similar experience back in 2007. If I remember correctly, I think you broke the story that St. Louis University was hiring Rick Majerus. But then several days went by, there was no announcement, there was speculation on if Majerus was taking the job, and then he finally did and you were proven correct. If I am indeed right on that, can you take me slash the listeners back to how all that went down and what that experience was like for you? Question number two. Esteban Yan with a two-parter, Jackson. Love to see it. I absolutely, and again, I, I, I just didn't spend much time with him when he was with the Cardinals, and, and little did I know, two decades later, he'd be emailing in. I absolutely think minority, this is on the Brian Flores lawsuit, I absolutely think minority candidates should receive consideration for NFL head coaching jobs, but here's a question I'm struggling with. Whether it's a job interview, a first date, a first meeting with a potential financial advisor, a lot of times you know in your gut, yep, that's the right person, this is who I want to go out with. Um, so if there's a rule like the Rooney rule that you must interview 
or consider a minority candidate, doesn't it make sense that the minority candidate should be interviewed considered first before anybody else? If you fall in love with the first person you meet but still have to satisfy that rule, it puts both the employer and the minority candidate in a tough spot. And it's not logistically possible to interview the minority candidate first every single time. I'm not really sure what the right solution is. Do you have any thoughts on this matter? Thanks, and stay cute. That's from Esteban Yan. And I will stay cute, Esteban. Yep. Uh, so, Jackson, I'll start with the uh, the Rick Majera story first. Sure. So in 2007, a gentleman who I knew was close to the situation probably called me. It was right around when people were texting all the time, but not necessarily full-time. So phone calls still were in play. Gotcha. And said, uh, hey, the Billikens are going to hire Rick Majerus. And I knew that this person knew. And therefore, and by the way, I was about to leave town. I was about to move for a new job, which I wound up not taking. I took, but then I decided not to take after two weeks of thinking I took it. Did you follow that? Oh, I got it. Okay. I don't think you do, but I think you're humoring me. That's what I think. It's my read. I think you're on Queen Jack suited. And so I said, uh, I, I reported it. And then within a day, when he doesn't, then they don't announce it, uh, I'm thinking to myself, I'm leaving. <laughs> Why did I even do this? Right. Juice not worth the squeeze. Juice not worth the squeeze. Always make sure the juice is worth the squeeze. You know who said that? Timothy Oliphant, the girl next door, 2003, 2004. I think it's four. Mm. Have you watched it yet? I did. And you loved it. I enjoyed it. Oh, that's not a nice so love. A, it was an entertaining film. You got a high-pitched film. like you're bluffing. It was an inter- entertaining film. It wasn't, you know, The well, Irishman. I did not by, like it. But I enjoyed it. Wasn't it wasn't The Irishman. It wasn't a Scorsese picture. Yeah. It wasn't. So uh, I'm thinking to myself, why did I do this? Why did I do this? There is zero upside. And then on top of it, if for whatever reason Majerus changes his mind and doesn't come... I now have to wear this. Even if I'm now living in New York, it doesn't matter. I'm going to have to deal with, oh, you're the guy who said Rick Majerus was going to coach the Billikens, and he didn't take the job. <laughs> right. So, I, And it's not like somebody goes, oh, you broke the story. Here's your check for whatever arbitrary dollar amount you'd right. want to sign. Point being, unless you are one of these people who makes a living, I mean, this is your job, mm-hmm. making a living, breaking sports stories, I would argue that most of the time, and when I say most, I'm going nine plus out of ten times, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it because unless you absolutely know, and I mean absolutely know, like you've seen the contract signed by both parties, an executed agreement, things can change. And so I have been on the receiving end of that twice. Now, in this case, as... Former Cardinal reliever Esteban Yan points out, I was correct, but it's not because I was correct. It's a guy who knew, called me, and this is something, let me tell you this right now, 15 years removed, if this were, if this same scenario were to present itself, whomever, whatever college, whatever position, I wouldn't report it. Now you go, what do you need? You have a responsibility report. No, because I don't, because the way I would report it is if I then contacted, in this case, Rick Majerus, the late Rick Majerus, and he confirmed it. And then I confirmed it with the athletic director at St. Louis University. Then perhaps I would. But again, even then, 
things can change. We've seen college coaches accept jobs and change their minds. We've yeah. seen that happen. Definitely. I mean, literally accept the job. Billy Donovan did that, if memory mm-hmm. serves. Bobby Kremens did it famously. Um, I feel like there's been other ones. Dana Altman, perhaps. There might be one way more recent. Yeah, I'm trying to think. But those are names in college basketball, so it happens. And so then you're out there blowing in the wind, you know? And it sucks, and there's just nothing. So I I watched that play out this past weekend with Adam Schefter and Jeff Darlington. And really, you know who the first one to report it was? He doesn't have the name recognition that uh, Schefter does. It was Jason Lockenfora, who we had on the show quite often during the Rams relocation stuff. And... Somehow that just, but he, I guess, I guess his report was Brady may retire. And I'm like, well, that's, you know, like, like, I may get pizza tonight at five o'clock. It depends on the roads, but I am the first one to report it here on 101 ESPN. And I would like my credit for it. Breaking. It's such a weird, so it's like, well, I can say I got it. But Schefter and Darlington said Brady is going to retire. Yeah. Then they got in the weird spot where the Buccaneers pushed back and said, well, we haven't heard from him. And then Brady does his podcast on Monday with Jim Gray and says, I haven't made up my mind. What do I think happened? I think Brady told a few people, one of those few people, told Schefter slash Darlington at ESPN, and then Brady was irritated that it got out because he had always planned to make the announcement on Tuesday not Monday, because he wanted the Bengals and Rams, whoever won those games, to have their moment. And then Tuesday would be the day, perhaps the slowest day before the Super Bowl week. And then he could end it there. Right. That was the plan. And I think he was irritated. And so that was their way to kind of push back without totally pushing back. Didn't say it's false. Yeah. Said, haven't made up my mind. And so those guys were in a weird spot. And you told me Schefter, did he retract it? or He said something like, Brady said he has not decided yet, but I, I just I think that's such a thankless job. You know, you get all these stories right for so many. Well, for Schefter, he's turned it into what I would imagine is a seven-figure income. Sure, sure, but he's but every and time baseball he gets it right, has a few of those guys: Passan, yeah. Rosenthal. Yeah, am I missing anybody else? John Heyman does. The NBA quite is, a bit. is famous for Woj yeah, and Shamstrina. Yeah, it into yeah. yeah. So Ian Rappaport in the NFL similarly. But it, you get all these things right. It's like, Pete oh. Hamill's become the guy in college football. ESPN designed him to make sure they yeah, got him. He's yeah. become the guy. But the second you get one thing wrong, a trade that didn't go through, or a signing that didn't happen, it's like then you get kind of dragged for it. But if you get uh, everything else right, it's like uh, I, I equate it to like a cornerback. A cornerback has good coverage. No one says anything. But if they get burned, everyone notices. It's a good analogy. The field goal kicker, the closer. Right. The thing with it is, and here's – now, this is my opinion on this. I don't really know if we have somebody in St. Louis who at the moment is the person who is always breaking stories. I don't know. It's not, a, it's not, this is not, a, <laughs> yeah. I'm never attempting to do radio wars. I'm, I'm just, I'm out of it. Uh, but I, I just don't, I, or at the Post-Dispatch, I just don't think there's anybody who people immediately go, oh, I wonder if so-and-so has the scoop on this. And here's the number one, there's two reasons for this. Number one, because if you are wanting to ingratiate yourself um, to influencing the most people, you give the national writer right. the tip. Mm-hmm. And it's a currency. Now, I bet a lot of people don't necessarily know this. And it's kind of scummy, but it is, it's, it's the truth. You, what, what are you accomplishing by giving, let's say you're a college football coach, Gabe gets, the, gets this a month, which my guy at uh, PowerMizzou.com. We both went to Missouri Journalism School together. Gabe, how come you didn't break this? Derek Gould gets this in the Post-Dispatch sometimes, I see. 
I would imagine Rutherford would tell us he gets this stuff. How come you didn't break the story? Whatever the case might be. Because the people in the positions of power, whether it be the front office, the agent, the athletic director's office, the coach himself, they give the the hookup on the information to the national writer or national broadcaster, and then the national writer or national broadcaster is sure to make sure that they return the favor along the way, whether it be complimentary or whether it be floating his name out there for a job position, whatever. That's the game. That's the game. You tell the local guy, the local guy doesn't have the influence that the national guy does. So people go, man, Gabe, why aren't you the one getting the scoop? Hey, Derek, how come you didn't get the scoop? What's up, JR? That's the game. Yeah. That's the game. It's just the way that it is. Now, it, sound, it may sound scummy, perhaps now that I've laid it out for you, as to why it works that way. It makes sense, but that's the game. And as somebody who has broken stories and happened to be right, I'm telling you, the juice isn't even remotely close to worth the squeeze. In the case, there's just no way Adam Schefter had bad information. No, there's no possible. No. And it's not like, oh, he's now, he wasn't sweating it. My guess was, and Brady has a relationship with ESPN. The man in the arena has been running for the last few months. And he's probably like, guys, I've been running this thing on your network. You know what the deal is. Why are you going ahead and, you know, doing me wrong inside the room? Right. That's what I think went down. And so they kind of stood down, and then he got his moment on Tuesday. But the plan, I think, was to always announce it on Tuesday and somebody inside the circle. And then I think maybe Schefter saw La Confora's report on Friday night. That's when his came out. Like, well, we're, about, we're about to get scooped because we can't say it because La Confora's at CBS. So we got we to gotta report it because otherwise we're going to get scooped. Yep. I don't know. It's, it's not It's not a... It's not a life I would want to lead. No, it's a tough. It's a tough thing. You constantly have to be worried about your connections. Like you always got to be making sure. But that, you're also playing a political game. Yeah, exactly. You, you know have to I make mean? sure people are always taken care of. You know, like you have to like because if you like write a, a critical story or critical of a play or a coach's decision, it's like oh that coach isn't going to hook me up with the information anymore. Right. So it's it's just I don't know, man. You think political cable news is scummy? Well, there's your, there's your <laughs> peek behind the curtains on sports journalism. All right, uh, let's see what we got going on here. It's at 10:16. There's your Clarkson Jewelers time check. Uh, I'll answer the second question regarding the Flores litigation. The Giants, the Broncos, and now the Dolphins have all pushed back on that. We covered it a great deal on Wednesday. I think it's the right thing to do to provide the other side of the story. Whether it's right or wrong, I have no idea. But if we're going to spend time on the allegations, we have to spend time on the defense. It's only fair. Uh, we'll talk about that. That was one of the questions from the great Cardinal reliever, Esteban Yan. Your questions are also welcome. 65780 is how you can text them in. Email them in at tmckernan at insidestl.com. You're listening to Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan back with you here on 101 ESPN. Questions from the audience day at the ballpark. 65780 is how you can send them in. Or if you want to email more in-depth ones, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com. And maybe T McKernan at T-M-A-S-T-L.com. Still looking into that. Either works. We've hired a PI. <laughs> Guy doesn't know his email address, and he's got a program. Uh, all right, so the second part of the question from the first segment, from former Cardinal reliever Esteban Yan. The Brian Flores lawsuit. Now, I absolutely think minority candidates should receive consideration for NFL head coaching jobs, but here's a question I'm struggling with. Whether it's a job interview, a first date, a first meeting with a potential financial advisor, a lot of times you know in your gut, yep, that's the right person, that's who I want to go with. 
So if there is a rule like the Rooney rule that you must interview or consider a minority candidate, doesn't it make sense that the minority candidate should be interviewed, considered first before anybody else? If you fall in love with the first person you meet but still have to satisfy that rule, it puts both the employer and the minority candidate in a tough spot. It's not logistically possible to interview the minority candidate first every single time. I'm really not sure what the right solution is. Do you have any thoughts on this matter? We had Tyoka Jackson on, and we spent a uh, good portion of Wednesday's show on that topic after Flores' allegations. And Tyoka's big-picture solution is you need more, um, or any, minority ownership um, in the NFL. Um, But I said short-term. What about the Rooney rule? Because that's the thing, and we were having a really good discussion on it. And I said, I get the allegations that 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 Flores is making, not only being frustrating, potentially legitimate wrongdoing that he has a real grievance on, but I'm not sure the allegations in the lawsuit actually show racism. And I want to be clear on that. It's not to say that they do. It's also not to say that they don't. It's just people are jumping to a conclusion based on some circumstances. Now, I would agree with this. And I don't really know who would disagree with it. It is at the very least odd that in the NFL there is only one black head coach. I think we can all agree with that. But the, here's the thing that I would counter, for example, I was countering with Tyoka on it. I think at this point in 2022, if you're a billionaire, and you have to be a billionaire, at least at the very least on paper with assets, liquid or not, you just, you're just not at a point where you're going, man, I think this guy's going to win us a Super Bowl, but he's black, so I'm out. It's just, I just, I just, I just have a tough time with that one. I, so, but what Tyoke, and this was, I thought, the most enlightening part of the conversation, Jackson, in my opinion, was him talking about implicit bias. And that was the, the eye-opening thing. And he, he agreed with some of the things that I was pushing back on as well. The implicit bias element is that certain personality traits that one might not relate to because of different cultural backgrounds or upbringing then makes this person not seem as relatable to the owner and therefore he is less likely to hire the person so in other words it's not going man i don't like black people it's going i don't necessarily feel a connection with this person like this person and that could help explain it Either way, we spent a good portion of the show on Wednesday on this topic that uh, was emailed in. And in the case of the Giants, the Dolphins, and the Broncos all have pushed back. And I think one of the things, we were talking about media in the first segment, I think one of the things that I've noticed, and I think at, at the root of much of the evil of the last quarter century of American life, is media. Um, whether it be manipulation of the audience or manipulation of the facts, and it isn't limited to politics. I include sports in there is that people will spend a lot of time on the allegations but spend very little time on the defense or the clearance of the allegations against the party initially uh, who had the allegations painted against them. So in this case, I think it's only fair that we read the responses of each organization that was in the lawsuit. In the case of the Giants, they laid out a timeline of the events as a contention that Flora's interview was, quote, not a sham. The allegation that the Giants' decision has been made prior to Friday evening, January 28th, is false. And to base that allegation on a text exchange with Bill Belichick, in which he ultimately states that he, quote, thinks Brian Dable would get the job, is irresponsible. The text exchange occurred the day before Coach Dable's in-person interview even took place. 
Giants ownership would never hire a head coach based only on a 20-minute Zoom interview, which is all Mr. Dable had at that point. In addition, Mr. Belichick does not speak for and has no affiliation with the Giants. So the Giants point out that Dable hadn't even had his in-person interview. John Elway responded. He was one of the executives who met with Flores in 2019 before they eventually hired Vic Fangio. And he said, I wasn't going to respond, but he felt like the allegations were, quote, false and defamatory. And then therefore he did. While I was not planning to respond publicly to the false and defamatory claims by Brian Flores, I would not be silent. I could not be silent any longer with my character, integrity, and professionalism being attacked. I took Coach Flores very seriously as a candidate for our head coaching position in 2019 and enjoyed our three-and-a-half-hour interview with him. Along with the rest of our group, I was prepared, ready, and fully engaged during the entire interview as Brian shared his experience and vision for our team. It's unfortunate and shocking to learn for the first time this week that Brian felt differently about our interview with him. And then the Dolphins have claimed in their response uh, that there was no uh, $100,000 per loss on the table that uh, Flores alleges Stephen Ross offered him and that he would not participate in. Uh, And then in addition, the Browns have responded. Jimmy Haslam, the owner of the Browns, has responded to Hugh Jackson, the former coach's response, saying uh, that that is inaccurate and that Hugh Jackson, quote, has never accepted blame for losing. Hugh Jackson has never accepted any responsibility for our record during this time period. He's been masterful at pointing fingers, but has never accepted any blame. I've accepted a ton of blame, and rightfully so. That's uh, Jimmy Haslam in response to Hugh Jackson alleging that he was offered money uh, to lose games in Cleveland. Now, let's take our big picture view on this whole thing. The NFL denying and lying is something that we know very well here in St. Louis is well within their brand. But if you have, you know, you're talking about individuals going through individuals and saying, you know, either you're a racist, you are hungover, or you are rigging games, which could lead to him losing his ownership. Those are serious individual charges and that interviews were a sham. And that's different than all of these people got together to move an NFL franchise to a city where it would benefit all of the NFL owners by doing it. And so that is why you have people coming out and speaking out against what Brian Flores had to say. Individually, individually, uh, Elway, uh, the Giants as an organization, uh, Jimmy Haslam as an owner, and the Dolphins and Stephen Ross in response. Now, what will wind up transpiring? Well, this thing isn't going to go away. There are only a couple of jobs left now, though, in the NFL. Saints are still out there. Yep. Uh, to the dismay of a lot of Jaguars fans, Doug Peterson is getting the Jaguars job, not Byron Leftwich. Right. Tyoke and I had the wager. I set the over-under at a half for total number of black head coaches hired between the Flores lawsuit being filed and the end of all of these coach vacancies. Where would you go? Would you go over or under? Over. Tyoka and I disagree. Oh, you agree with me on the over? Yeah. And then when I explained to Tyoka my reasoning, it wasn't necessarily an idealistic reason. It was, oh, goodness, the NFL offices say, we've got to make sure that yeah. there is. And then Tyoka goes, yeah, and you're probably right. And isn't that a terrible way to get the job? But I think that's what will wind up happening. 
I just I cannot imagine that all these coaching vacancies are filled. Again, not because somebody thinks somebody's necessarily candidate or the wrong candidate, but because they're going to go, oh, God, we're going to get killed publicly if all of the coaching hires in the 2022 offseason are white. That's what I think will happen. Yeah. And that's not to say that somebody should or shouldn't get a job. I'm just telling you how I think the puppet strings will be orchestrated, just like we saw the puppet strings orchestrated here in St. Louis. All right, we're getting a bunch of questions in the uh, the uh, Air Comfort Service text line. You can continue to send them in. 65780. We'll take a commercial break, go through more of them next on Balloon Party, 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. 101 ESPN, Tim McKernan with you here, taking your particular questions, your comments, everything is welcome on our Friday broadcast, 65780. Uh, And we spent uh, the first half hour of the show reading from uh, former Cardinal reliever Esteban Yan. (laughs) <laughs> Loves to email in when he sees an edge in SEC football or basketball. I just didn't know he was that big of a fan when he was here. Yeah, now, surprising. Yeah, but now uh, now very active. Uh, got a bunch of uh, text questions, comments in here, uh, and we will uh, we will read through them. And in no particular order, Jackson, why don't you read them so the people can – or am I putting you on the spot? Yeah, because, I would say it would be best. Because this, here, here's a little fun fact. Inside baseball, and maybe those of you who have been listening to 101 ESPN for a long time are already aware of this. Maybe you're not. And most of you probably don't care. Um, but the text line sets up such that the text kind of break up after maybe a certain number of characters. And so, therefore, the text can be out of order. And then it can lead to chaotic reading on our parts. And I would be putting you on the spot for yeah, a few of you, these that, that are long. If you like bad sports center updates, then me reading the text line would be <laughs> about as bad as it could get. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, so we're getting a bunch of them. Um, then I want to make sure that I read them. Tim, I agree on implicit bias. If we're outright or blatant, that would be easy to root out. The implicit bias is so much more difficult to... Correct. That's from the three and four. And that is why I go back to that portion of the conversation with Tioka. I think if I think if we would have had on Wednesday somebody come on and start shouting talking points, for lack of a better term, or if I were shouting talking points and mm-hmm. half of the audience or maybe more uh, would have loved my talking points and half of the audience or maybe more would have loved Tioka's talking points that's a segment I would rather not do. And I know that they go on, and I know that there's certainly a lot of money in doing those kinds of segments. I'm just not interested in doing those. I really just wanted to have a conversation. And in order to have a conversation, a conversation features listening. And so, you know, Tioka initially just strongly disagreed with the premise that a black head coach would be hired between now and whenever all the vacancies are filled. And by the way, to date, one has not But I wasn't speaking from, oh, I think that everybody will learn and therefore hire a black head coach. That's not what I was saying. What I was saying is I think the NFL, being the business that it is, they'll go, oh, there's no way in the world we're going to allow this offseason to go without hiring a black head coach, as I said, as we were wrapping up the last segment. And once he heard that reasoning, he heard it and he agreed with me. Now, that doesn't necessarily make anybody feel better about the world, but you just acknowledge that, oh, yeah. That's what they will do. I actually wouldn't rule it out that Flores himself gets a job. I know that sounds crazy, 
But if I could get decent odds on it, I'd bet it. I really would. Because there's no better way to say, well, see, this is wrong, than by actually hiring him. And he's a successful coach, relatively speaking. It's not like a Super Bowl winning coach, but it's not like it was a disaster. It's not like it was Hugh Jackson in Cleveland no, coach no. or Rich Kotite with the Jets coach. So that's a different kind of approach, but that's what the NFL will do. It's right on brand, man. It's exactly what they do. It's it's you can call it high level poker, but to me it's ABC poker. So implicit bias is a conversation that takes out our dislike of the business of the NFL and goes, okay, yeah, I guess now that you say that, see, I see that. Because if Tayoka were gonna come on here, or if anybody were gonna come on here and say no, People will not hire black coaches because they just don't, take whatever reason. Um, I go. I just don't. I just don't think. I think somebody who has gotten to the point of being a billionaire just isn't in the mindset of somebody even 50 years ago, much less 100 years ago or 150 years ago, with some kind of antiquated thinking. It's just not the way that it works. Whatever it takes to win, you cannot not, double negative, have that mindset and be a billionaire, unless you just inherited it all. You cannot be passive. you got to be a killer. And if you're a killer, you don't just kill with white people. You do whatever it takes. I don't care what your background is. I will hire you. Even if I think you're a scumbag, if that's going to win me a Super Bowl, I don't need more money. I've got a billion dollars. Now, at this point, it's about my legacy, and I want to win a Super Bowl. So I'll do whatever it takes. So I just can't believe that. But then, if you're sitting there across from somebody and going, man, I don't know. I just don't, I can't really relate to this person. I'm not sure why, but I think this person's better. That's where implicit bias can come in. And that, to me, was the most valuable portion of the conversation with Tayoka. And I think that's something that even people who might go, oh, I'm kind of rolling my eyes at this, or going, man, I'm glad Flores is taking this chance and finally talking about it. I think that's something that a lot of people can agree on. But I, again, I think if somebody's going to sit there and say, no, they're not hiring black coaches, and it's all racism, and you're racist if you don't see it, then people go, oh, well, you know, that's not... Don't call me a bigot. I just don't see it that way. So when you talk about implicit bias, it, it makes people look inward and go, yeah, okay, I think I see where you're coming from with that. And that's what I think was valuable about that conversation, and I appreciate the uh, the text that was was sent in. Uh, Tim, I enjoyed the conversation with Tayoka. Don't you think the NFL being such a copycat league will take one or two having massive success at the same time, and then the rest of the league will follow similar to the run on offenses running the Wildcat a few years back? Uh, I'm having to read between the lines on your text, but I gather if I'm reading, but Jackson, tell me if my read is right, that this person is saying one or two having massive success. Would that be one or two black head coaches having massive success? Is that your read on this? Using context clues, that'd have to be the only okay. conclusion. Well, you had a Super Bowl 15 years ago in which right. Lovey Smith was coaching against Tony Dungy. Right. And then you have Mike Tomlin never having a winning season. And I'm not saying this flippantly in response to the text. I get what you're saying, but I would say that, that many have. Black coaches have had success, and they've also had failure. Sure. White coaches have had success. White coaches have had failure. So the nice thing is, and this is kind of where I was on Michael Sam's announcement eight years ago, we'll get to a point where people be coming out of the closet as athletes, and you know we've made progress when people don't even talk about it. Right. That's when you know we've made progress, and you don't even think about it. You go, oh, he's gay. Great. You know, who cares? Right. That, to me... Is it a, we're not saying, oh my goodness, look who has arrived. It is the superb gay athlete. Or we're not saying we will not play with this guy because he is gay. We just go, okay, is he good? Right. 
That's it. it. <laughs> That's it. That, to me, is progress. So is the coach good? I don't think anybody's standing around going, man, Hugh Jackson isn't in Cleveland anymore because he's black. No, he won one game his first two years. And I don't think anybody's going, man, if Mike Tomlin's available, we're not going to hire him because he's black. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe there are a couple people out there still, but I can't imagine. And to me, that's a sign of progress. It might not be as quick as some people want, but that's a sign of progress. You've had a number of people come out as gay. The Raiders have a gay player right now. It's hardly even talked about. And he's amazing, too. He's, he's a great player. He's unbelievable. It's hardly even talked about anymore. Right. And to me, a decade ago, not even a decade ago, Fresh off a of plan in the SEC championship game against War Eagle. Michael Sam comes out. It's a huge story. This guy now is one of the best players for the Raiders, and it's kind of like he made the announcement, and then people kind of went back to, you know. Carl Nassib. Yeah, and it's not even discussed. Right. And I think that's, a, to me, I think that's a sign of progress. I think the core issue with this conversation is the Rooney rule. But I don't necessarily think what has been presented illustrates certain racism. I think it illustrates a flaw with the rule. And that's the difference. Because as a business owner, if I wanted to hire somebody and I'm like, man, I know this is this person's available. I've been in this position before hiring people. I know that this is the person I want. I, but I, I, also, I also know by rule I have to interview, take your pick. Then... Well, I'm certainly going to do that because I'm not going to break the rules, but I know this person's available. That doesn't mean that I'm anti-black, that I'm anti-gay. I'm going to do what I think is in the best interest of my business. The problem with the rule is people feel like, understandably so, and I am certain it has happened, and it's probably happened with Brian Flores, that organizations have to check boxes. And then you look at the math after a number of years and you go, my goodness, the organization that came up with the Rooney Rule is the only organization employing a black head coach in a 2022. How in the world is that possible? That, to me, is the core issue. We'll take a break, come back with what your grandma think. This is Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Sometimes the media asks bad questions. Not not a good question. Like, Coach, uh, how cool was it that it was a Wisconsin player that uh, sank the winning shot? Well, they're all Wisconsin players. Or... I'm doing a story about New Year's resolutions, and I was just wondering if you had any you wanted to share with your fans and our readers. Yeah, no, not right now. Okay, thanks. And when that happens, players will fire back. What? Bro, what are you talking about, man? Stop asking me stupid questions. Now it's time for... So what's your grandma think? Never gets old. I giggle like the tiniest of schoolboys every time I hear that intro. The Wisconsin. At some point, it's gonna, I'm going to go, okay, we need a new intro. But right now, I am still in the mode... It's like I still watch Between Two Ferns with yeah. Zach Galifianakis. If I'm in a bad mood, that puts me in a good place. If I'm in a good mood, I go read the STL Today comments section, and it brings me right back down. You gotta level That's yourself. how I balance myself off. Right. Some people cut up antidepressants. I just read comment sections. Uh, what do we have? We, we're doubling up today? Yeah, yeah, we got time. So we're going to do the Rocky Wirtz. Uh, I would call it 
It was a it was a back and forth. That that was a back and forth, and then we have a Jimbo Fisher, and that's more of a rant. Okay. So we got nice little nice little. These duo are both here. Uh, here within the last what forty eight seventy two hours. Yeah, both of these them are I not think... from your classic vault. No, no, I think these By are like from... Kerber. As somebody texted in, does Kerbs get a royalty every time you do this segment? He really should. The man's <laughs> producing the show while calling blues games. He texted me. Uh, the link to the uh, Rocky Words thing, like immediately <laughs> yep. on, uh, I think it was Tuesday night. All right, what do you got here, Jackson? Let's, let's bring go, the heat. Let's go with the Rocky one first. I think much of what happened to Kyle Beach stemmed from a, a power imbalance between a coach and a player and the powerlessness of a player in that situation. So what are the Blackhawks doing? What have the Blackhawks done? What will the Blackhawks do to empower a player in a similar situation to make sure that doesn't happen again? I'm going to answer the question okay. at the end. I think the report speaks for itself. The people that were involved are no longer here. We're not looking back at 2010. We're looking forward. And we're not going to talk about 2010. I'm we're, not talking about I, I know, and I'm not either. And we're not going to talk about what happened. We're moving forward. That is my answer. Now, what's your next question? I can pick up to what we are doing today. And I think no, I don't know. That's none of your business. That's none of your business. What we're going to do today is our business. I don't think it's any of your business. How is it not my business? Because I don't think it's any of your business. You don't work for the company. If someone in the company asks that question, we'll answer it. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We're not going to talk about Kyle Beach. We're not going to talk about anything that happened. Now we're moving on. What more do I have to say? You want to keep asking the same question? Do you hear the same answer? Okay, ask the next question. You said enough right there. You said enough right there. Yep. Yep, there it is. He was, the beginning of it was fine, and then he kind of paused, and then he he got, kept going, and that's when he went he down the, the road that I'm sure if he could have, have it back, he would like to have that one back. Uh, and then we have Jimbo Fisher for our double up on a special Friday edition of What'd Your Grandma Think? Jimbo Fisher not happy with, what, I guess, Saban and Kiffin. The allegations of how much Texas A&M spent to get this recruiting. Number one recruiting class in the country. A lot of money is being spent and just your thoughts. Here's what I'm going to say, and this is point blank. This is point blank to the – because here, here's, here's my problem. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no 10 This is garbage, okay? And it does. It pisses me off that people – and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread, and everybody <laughs> runs with it. So it's written on the Internet. It's gospel. How irresponsible is that? And then to have coaches in our leg and across this leg to say it, Clown acts, all right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. And the guys griping about NIL, griping about transfer portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll, trust, I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. The other thing, <laughs> when you look at, at, at vice president of Notre Dame, supposed to be a reputable university, right? That's a heck of a person leading a reputable university. I'd be real proud if I hired that guy. Read it off sliced bread. It's funny, when Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, it was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? But ours, at, ours we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. There ain't none on our place that we know of. That's funny when you do it. Hip, the hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to, uh, to our staff, how hard we work how we do things, and it's insulting to Texas A&M because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. If you don't like it, we're coming on, get used to it. All right? We ain't going nowhere. It, it, it's, it's an absolute joke. 
and the people who put the hard work in and do it. It's irresponsible, but it's funny when they get it, it's all okay. Ball games are changing, man. And it ain't because of NIL and what goes on. It's pretty irresponsible of all of them. They're clowns. Go next. If they got a problem with it, come see me. <laughs> we always know we have a good one when the PR guy starts to step in. <laughs> yeah, that's always Okay, it. boys. <laughs> All right, that's enough. Everybody uh, get what they need. <laughs> <laughs> that's enough. I'll promise I'll get to you next time. Oh, man. Can we get sliced bread on as a guest? We need sliced bread from Bro Bible on ASAP. Coming up at 1020, sliced bread will be joining us on Balloon Party. You know it's a good clip when the words clown show and hypocrisy men- are mentioned yep. several times. So I know he was going after Lane Kiffin there. Anybody else I'm missing? I think Saban with the, you know, it's cute. Yeah, but he Saban. mentioned Saban. Yeah. Is I there anybody else that he'd be going after? I mean, it couldn't be Brian Kelly. He's busy he, he dancing. <laughs> and losing recruits do the dancing. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he's talking about drink. He's not on the drink train. <laughs> I don't know. Heupel? Yeah, that's a good call. That's a, I don't know. I, it's, I don't know. Who else yeah. has been talking Kiffin about it? I mean, for Kiffin, sure. certainly. Yeah. 100%. Kiffin. Uh, maybe Lincoln Riley a little bit. Yeah, but he was talking about it in the SEC. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. Either way, nice payoff on. So, what'd your grandma <laughs> think? Um, hey, we got to wrap it up. I, I could do another three hours. Not that anybody's asking for it here or in the audience, but I'm just saying <laughs> I could because I got more to I want to talk about. But we got to go. Uh, and I'm not going to go into BK and Ferrario's time because I did that this week and that's not cool. So, I got to wrap it up. Uh, Action Jackson, have yourself a wonderful little weekend. You too. And uh, we will be back with you on Monday with Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.